Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'm excited to have with me today Angela O. Oh, and she is a director, writer, um, actress, born in Wisconsin. There's no city, so I guess you were just born in the whole it's state. It's vague. Yep. It's vague. Very on purpose. <laughs> and um, you've actually done stand-up in the belly room with Maximini. I have. You also did the improv. We won't mention that. <laughs> and um, I think you already did. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and you are also host of Riding the Waves. You have a podcast out currently that's done through EverTalk TV, um, which is great. Check them out. And... Uh, Angela, great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So I am excited. I know you were a little nervous that I didn't give you questions ahead of time. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, well, we're I'm afraid find, of the brain freeze. There's a lot of, a lot of trick questions. <laughs> um, well, so let me ask you this. When you hear the word money and finances, what do you immediately think of? Fear, anxiety. Yeah. And what's the main fear? Uh, of not doing the smart thing with it, of wasting it, squandering it. Um, I know money is ebb and flow. Right. It comes in, it leaves, and you know I like that, and I am at peace with that. But I am afraid of making the wrong decision, okay, and then being wasteful. Right. Right. Was that a message that either of your parents shared when you were a child? Like, hmm. is there a message that don't spend that or don't wait? Like- sure. So I grew up very middle class in the okay. Midwest. Okay. Um. Four kids. My dad, uh, you know, he lived the American dream, okay. which was pretty amazing. Being an immigrant coming to this country okay. in the Midwest, had four kids, put them all through college. There was very little extra disposable income. So he had to be very, very careful yeah. with that. But, you know, he made it, retired on a golf course in Florida, which there is, I, I mean, that's the American dream, at least for people from the Midwest, you know, okay. leave Perfect. the cold weather behind and get to the warm weather. But, um, yeah, everyone was super mindful. Um I I feel so grateful that I grew up in a very middle class neighborhood. I was not aware of money. I wasn't aware mm-hmm. that people had more. Wasn't really aware people had less. I mean, I knew people did, but there was never any judgment mm-hmm. associated with that. So I feel really lucky to have grown up like that. Um, well, now you said your um, your father was an immigrant. Mm-hmm. And where did he come from? South Korea. Okay. He came for college. Okay. He was supposed to go to UT Austin, I believe. In Texas. In Texas. But he picked Wisconsin. Um, um, yeah, Ohio, actually. Ohio. Um, but um, he looked at a map of the United States, and most of his friends who were coming over were all going to college in Ohio, um, at Ohio Northern University in Lima, Ohio. We don't call it Lima, like Spain. We call it Lima, like the bean. Lima. Lima like the bean. Um, And he looked at a map and he's like, oh, all my friends are going here in Ohio. And he looked at Texas. He's like, oh, that's not very far apart until he realized the scale of Korea versus the scale of the United States. And he realized, yeah, it was really far. So he just took his papers to the admissions office and said, "Um, hey, I got accepted here. Can I come here instead? So and they were like, sure. Um, So he ended up there. Okay. Um, yeah. How do we end up on this question? I forget already. Well, because, well, I'm just curious about your parents' money beliefs and oh, what yeah. they're sharing. And you mentioned that he came and lived the American dream yep, and yep. he came from a different country mm-hmm. to live that dream. Mm-hmm. Were you aware 
like, did you, as growing up, were you aware of any differences of, oh, my dad's an immigrant or lots of immigrants or? Like- so very aware, um, but then not aware. So we were pretty much the only Asian family. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but then everybody just kind of accepted you as, you know, oh, that's Angela, you know? Right. So it was both. I was aware and then not aware because that was just my upbringing. I had nothing right. to compare it to. Yep. It wasn't until I got older and went to bigger cities like New York or, you know, L.A. Um, that I realized, oh, this is a common, <laughs> you know, first-generation experience where the parents come over and they're like, you have to study really hard. You have to work really hard. And I understand because that was from fear, like mm-hmm. you have to, you have to, you know, strive really hard to succeed in order to um, secure your financial future. Right. So I get it now. Back then, it was super annoying because yeah. you know I'm like, all my friends' parents are just like, whatever, you're doing good enough, it's fine. Um, but you know, there definitely was that pressure and the emphasis of, um, you know, you have to work harder, um, or mm-hmm. else, you know. If you fail, that could mean now, very were you, scary things. Were your parents thrilled to death that you chose the creative arts? Oh my gosh, so thrilled! <laughs> <laughs> that's a big no. Yeah, that would be a so big. So how no. did you? So like how you know? Because that's a big question. Do I follow my passion? Do I do what's safe? Do I do what my parents want? Yeah, you know. Okay, so and it is a big thing, and that's kind of like that coming of age thing that happens. Um, I think because I was born and raised in the Midwest, and I only had um, my friends' experiences, and all of my friends were just like, yeah, I'm living my dream. I'm doing whatever I want. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that too. <laughs> I'm normal like you. Um, and my, my parents are weird because they just want me to be a lawyer or a doctor, and they have nothing in common. Um, you know what I mean? Like right. a lawyer or a doctor, like those have nothing in common. How can you just make choose money, one or the other? Yeah, theoretically. So um, I did think I was going to be a lawyer. I started law school, actually. Um and then I realized that I didn't want to be a lawyer. I just wanted to play one on TV. Yeah, there you go. You know? Yeah. And I just knew I wanted to do something more creative. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to New York, met some friends who they were doing it. They, you know, had a college education and they still were just doing whatever, you know, grunt work jobs that you have to do, um, waiting tables, temping, whatever, to pay your bills so you could pursue your dream. And when I saw other people who were like me doing it, I was like, oh, I can do that too. Um, So, yeah, I I had to break it to my parents that I was dropping out of school. Mm -hmm. Um, Fun fact is when I did drop out, um, I was doing a joint MPA, JD degree, And I was a graduate fellow, which sounds all fancy and whatever. So basically, they were paying me to go to school, and it, it was and it was also a full ride. Which people who know me now, they're like, "Really? People like like y- they you? Gave you money? They gave you money? You because they, they don't you? they don't see me in that light at all. Right. They only see my goofy whatever side." Um, but so, yeah, I had to tell my parents that I was giving up the full ride and the fellowship, so where they were actually paying me to go to school. And when I dropped out, I became a waitress and a professional cheerleader. So, yeah. Wait, yeah. for the NBA and rah, the NFL. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they were thrilled. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, I, it, it's that's pretty good, I would think. I mean, cheerleader, dancer, NBA, NFL. Oh, yeah. Big it, paychecks. Oh, yeah. Like um, – 
no pay for rehearsals, and I think it was oh, between twenty five and fifty dollars a game. Oh, you got to be kidding! Oh yeah, but you got to go to the games for free. Oh yeah, you got to yeah. go to the games for free. You had to pay for the popcorn, but uh... yeah, and you know, if you there's a lot of um, info out there now where. Uh, I forget which teams they are, but um, I think it was NPR or the New York Times podcast. They were talking about how even today the cheerleaders are still making about $50 a game. And some of them wow. are pressured. Yeah, it's just that it's the prestige of right. getting to Being do a that. Laker girl. Yeah, so it's just stuff. like the honor. I don't know how much the Laker girls make, but they might make more. But there were certain teams. Yeah, right. There are certain teams that are pressured to sell merchandise calendars, et cetera. And if you don't sell X amount, they won't let you perform. Wow. So the pregame you're trying to sell and then they see what your sales are, which I think is like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's some pressure. Dancing for your supper. Exactly. exactly. Wow. So, yeah. And um, so even though you're getting no pay, but you get the prestige. Yeah. And you was, just love it. What was the best, What like, what was your best memory of, of either NFL or NBA, like one particular game was there somewhere like a fan told you you were amazing or? um you know i think what is fun is we did some halftime performance and i knew they were going to televise it i don't know how much they actually televised before they cut to commercial right but that's a cool thing um you know i'm from small town and yeah. then you get to do that and you're so young and it's just, you know, it's really exciting. It's exciting to get to that level. Um, I will say in retrospect, I look back and think my poor parents, they were like, here she is. We just paid for a college education. We're so excited. We're going to so get a excited. return on our investment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then she's a cheerleader um, and waitress, you know, yeah. which there's nothing wrong. That's a, Those are very no- noble professions. And I um, waited many a table in my life. Um, hard, hardest working people. And we earn every cent every dollar it's hard work um but you know from my from a parent to looking at their children you know it's a little terrifying i think for them um but yeah i i had a lot of fun and fun is important do you remember your first big paycheck for doing something that you love doing Mm. you know um i guess the surprise big ones are sometimes residuals can be awesome sometimes they can be one cent right you know and you're like "Mm, really Really? well thank you for being honest and spending 44 is it 44 cents for a stamp now now. um you know to mail that to me um but yeah i did years ago one of my first jobs was what women want Mm -hmm. with mel gibson Uh um and alan alda yeah cool alan alda is such an amazing actor and human being it was that's one of my favorite acting experiences um and i i don't really remember and also nancy myers directed and i i even at the time didn't realize how amazing she is as a writer and director so i'm i feel so lucky that i got to work with her um and i don't really remember how many days i worked on it um but the residuals from that movie you know, you know, you're not expecting it. You work however many days and then they come in, you know, six, six, not even six months, probably a year later because post-production, then the movie comes right. out and then the movie leaves the theaters and then it starts going. Then it was, you know, to video or airplanes or whatever it is. And that was a nice surprise. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, probably a Mel Gibson movie would bring in a... Yeah. And at the time, it was before my big fat Greek wedding. So at the time, I mean, no one knew Mel could do comedy then. Um, And so they, you know, that was part of his heyday. And it became the highest grossing romantic comedy of all time at that time. At that time. Yeah. And then, I, you know, and it held it for a while until my big fat Greek wedding came and then ah. that overtook it. But it had the record for a while. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's cool. That was, that was a fun surprise. Do you, did you get an allowance as a kid? Did not. Always wanted one. Thought it was unfair that I didn't get one. Did, they, did your parents have a reason? Did you ever ask for it? Um. Yeah. And they were like, what? No, you just have to put the dishes away. That's part of what you do. <laughs> feed you. Yeah, and exactly. That's the deal. You, you don't get extra money for that. And I'm like, how about if I make my bed or clean my room? They're like, no, you should do that anyway. Um, you <laughs> don't get any extra no money. No fun. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was not Did they there. give you extra money, though, if you wanted? Did you get money at Christmas? Could you go and... Like if you wanted to go buy, I don't know, a basketball or a doll, could you just go do that? I don't really remember that. I started babysitting Mm -hmm. early, you know, Mm -hmm. 12-ish. And I recognized, you you know, there wasn't a lot of extra money. So I was like, oh, but if I want to buy something – I I started working as soon as you legally could. Yeah. So I think it's seven. In yeah. Some exa- parts of exactly. This country, yeah. Exactly. Where there's no child labor laws. Exactly. Um, you know, I I was waitressing, and you know, I worked I worked at a a restaurant called Po Folks. Po Folks. I love Po Folks. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, I used to eat there all the time. That's a southern restaurant. They yep. have southern food and yeah, chitlins and all kinds of good stuff. And fried okra. That's right. Yeah. Y'all come back now. You hear? That was a great place. A moon pies for dessert. Moon pies. That's absolutely right. So I was 16 um, with all my friends from high school and we would wear these little handkerchiefs in our, you know, oh, yeah. on our head and little aprons and serve blackberry cobblers and oh, whatever bet. it was. Yeah. So that's how I would make my extra money, my spending money. Um, yeah. That's cool. And um, um, today, currently, what would you say to date has been your best financial Purchase or best financial investment? Oh, gosh. My best financial purchase. Well, can I tell you about one that I didn't do? Yeah, yeah. Because that's what's coming up to, in my head. Tell me the yeah, so, biggest mistake you made. Yeah. <laughs> Worst yeah. thing ever. Let's, let, yeah. let's veer off course of the best financial decision. Okay, so the best would be while I was a struggling actor, I worked at this um, – I don't even know what it's called, but it's some type of investment firm um, called Colony Capital. And they've since blown up and everybody in that industry knows who they are. But at the time, they were just, you know, they were not known unless you were in the know about whatever particular part of finance they're in. But now I think pretty much everybody knows about them. But um, I was an assistant, which means a secretary, Mm -hmm. glorified secretary. Um, And I was temping. They asked me to go on full time. I said no. And the girl sitting next to me overheard that. And she's like, you know, that's a really big deal. You got an offer. And I'm like, nope, not doing it. I'm an actor. I want to be able to be free from my auditions. And, you know, I'm not – I can't make that commitment. And she said, but, you know, Angela, they already know you're an actor. So if they're still willing to give you an offer, that means they're willing to work with you. And the girl who was here before you – I think her name was Mimi. She was also a comedian. She's like, she's like, even if you do it for three months, she did it for like six months. And she paid off her credit cards because – you made so much more and you got benefits. So she was right. like, I think you should think about it. So I called HR back and I'm like, hey, I changed my mind. I think I will come and work for you. Um, so I did that. I did pay off all my credit cards. I started a 401k, Great. which, you know, I was 
before then I wasn't aware like how important that stuff is. So I guess I am starting with the best decision, which that was the best decision. Um, But then one missed opportunity is um, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, I didn't really understand how stocks worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew my 401k was going to some stock plan and it did something and I picked some generalized like growth fund plan. But I was like, you know, it's accruing money. What should I do with it? And this was years ago um, when this would have been like a killer investment. And he was like, well, if I were you, you know, I don't. And he's in finance. He's in mm-hmm. Wall Street. He's like, I, I, nor- I don't like giving people financial advice. And also, I normally don't recommend doing a single stock. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, if I were you, I would invest. I would just buy Goldman Sachs stock. I would buy it. That's what I would do. You should do it. And I'm like, okay, but how do you do that? And I didn't even know how my own fund worked. There was probably a 1-800 number I could call. Right. Just talk to a person, mm-hmm. pay some sort of fee, and be like, I just want all of it transferred over to Goldman Sachs stock. I could have done it. I stopped out of fear of not knowing what I was doing. So I just kept asking, like, but what does that mean? And he's really busy. He was busy doing his own right. startup at the time. So I didn't do it. And I wasn't, you know, every once every six months, I'm like, wait, what did you say again? How did I do that? But it turns out, like, that that stock quadrupled in right. a very short time. It's probably, who knows, how much more it was than back then. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I missed that. If I just would have taken the time to figure out the process of how it worked. And then I would have learned Mm -hmm. like how stocks work and how you trade stocks and, you know, bonds, whatever that is. Um, But I got stopped out of fear, fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. Yeah. Do you still feel that that um, is part of your DNA or have you learned to, so you still like fear can come in and play a role? Yeah. So I'm just now realizing it you know, in the question that you asked, but yeah, sure. I think I do get stopped. If I don't know what the next step is, sometimes I just stay still. Still for a bit. And that, you know, indecision is also a decision. Exactly. You know, so there are opportunity costs to inaction. Um, So yeah, I do do that. Now that I'm being more aware, I I feel like I should change that because I, I feel like a lot of us get stopped out of fear. I think most people get stopped out of fear. Yeah. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to yep. look stupid. Um, what if I, I make a mistake? Yeah, absolutely. And also the frugal part of me in truth and thinking about it, I'm like, well, is, you know, I knew there was some fee to change my stocks. I'm like, well, is this a normal fee? I don't want to be taken advantage of because, right. you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Don't want them to charge me double. I didn't know. There's a standard fee, you know, whatever it is, whatever fidelity or whatever. They're like, if you want to change it, it's X amount done. But even that stopped me because I was like, well, I don't know. I don't, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. You know? No, that's what would you say right now? Like when you go make a purchase, um, is it, what, what goes through your mind? Do you just look at something and go, got to have it? Do you think about, well, I need to sleep on it for three days and then I'll come back if I need it? Do you impulse buy? And like, what's your thought process when you make a decision? I don't think I'm an impulse buyer. I, um, I tend more on the, I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. I used to have a huge phase where I would see something you know, a pair of jeans, whatever, dress, whatever, I would see it. I'd be like, that's amazing. It fits me amazingly. I'm going to see if I can find it on eBay for an eighth of the cost. Sweet. Um, and so I did that for a long time. Um, I've 
discovered I'm not really a shopper. Yeah. If I need absolutely need something, great. Um, but in my free time, I do not want to go shopping. I there's I have no interest in. So you're not Amazon popping. Prime. Oh no, am I am Amazon Prime? I'm thinking more of you know a lot but of my girlfriends go to stores, go into shops, oh. and and they also online shop. But you know they want to go shopping, clothes shopping, yeah. buying a bunch of stuff. Um, and for me, that actually gives me a little anxiety because I'm like, well, where am I going to put the stuff away? And I, I, I've just realized it's interesting as, I mean, not to be stereotypical, but I do have some girlfriends who are shoppers and they're fashionistas. They have beautiful style. Um, but that's not where my focus goes. That's not necessarily fun for me or what I think to do. If I'm on vacation... I'm much more apt to be like, yeah, let's pop in a shop because we're on vacation in some other place and who knows what they might have and I can find a little treasure. Great. Um, but anywhere I live, I cannot be bothered to go shopping. Mm. I'm not one of those. Um, which, yeah, I think I'm not – I told my friend recently and I, I don't know if I offended her or not because she's always saying, you need to weed through your closet, get rid of stuff and then buy new stuff. And I'm like, no, I need to keep my things because as an actor, you never know. What's going to be a costume. What costume. Most of my clothes, I think, are character um, right. clothes. They're not necessarily things that I wear in my real life. Um, I told a friend of mine in New York, I'm like, I don't even know what my own style is really. I think it's boho, okay. bohemian, yeah. boho chic. Um, but um, I have to keep all the stuff for the different characters you may play so i don't want to get rid of stuff because i don't want to have to go buy it again right. but my friend's like no just get rid of it and then if you need it you go buy it again. i'm like i don't want to buy it again and there's no time because you're working on the character right. and then i said to her i'm like you know i mean she's great about getting rid of stuff like spring cleaning like mm -hmm. every month she's excellent she is not a hoarder um but she is a consumer so i told her i'm like no you are i'm like you are a consumer I'm not saying that in a bad way, but she is a shopper. She buys stuff all the time. And in my um, observation, you know, and what? To each their own. It's great. Right. But I'm like, oh, didn't you kind of already have a dress like that? But then you got rid of it, so and then you're buying a new one. 18 red dresses. That one's an inch shorter or longer. Exactly. Or... 25 black dresses. But, you know, so I yeah. observe that, that, like, you may have that but then got rid of it. And then so you have to buy – you know, it's almost like you're buying the replacement. Yeah, so if, yeah, I'm skipping just, all that. Yeah. You just you hold on that. the old one. Yeah. Hold exactly. on the old one over that. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. How are you? Is that how you are? Um, I'm not a big shopper. No. Okay. I'm very frugal. Um, I jokingly say I won't pay more than 20 bucks for a pair of pants. Uh, That's old, awesome. Old Navy. Yeah. Um, awesome. You know, I'm just going to ruin them anyway. I do like to wear um, Lacoste and polo shirts. But other than that – that was from trauma of going to a wealthy school and everybody being well, really well dressed all the time. And I came from a very small uh, town, mm -hmm. with, you know, shopping at uh, Montgomery Wards as the big, the big department store. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that was sort of an interesting thing. But yeah, I don't. I'm not a big. Don't like to shop. It's a waste. Of, I'd be much rather be doing a whole lot of other things. Um, but um, yeah, so. And it is true that when you said. If you get it, you're just going to ruin them anyway. Like I swear, if I have anything new. And white. I don't even drink coffee. I will get coffee on it somehow. Exactly. So, you know. Yeah. So 
It's nothing. I just start out dirty. You know, yeah. <laughs> I just leave my. I don't wash my clothes. Exactly. Um, it's easier. It's easier. What is? Um, how much money would need to be in the bank for you to feel like I don't need to worry anymore? Oh gosh. You know, that's an interesting question. For me, I think it would be a much smaller number mm-hmm. than my husband. Mm-hmm. My husband is a Wall Street person, mm-hmm. and I think they figure out that there is a certain number. Mm-hmm. And you need to reach that point, and then after which you can retire comfortably. Right. Um, I feel like I'm a really simple person, mm-hmm. um, so I I don't know what that quite that number is. All I know is I think my husband and I differ, and so his is three million, and yours is thirty thousand, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I think, I think, or you know. Yeah, something along those lines. Well, I guess, you know, since you're married, I mean, if he goes for the 3 million, you'll still at least have your 30 somewhere in that 3 million. So, <laughs> exactly. So we both would. So we both would. He he would be rolling his eyes right now. He'd be like, "Oh, yeah, like you could survive on $30,000." Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think there's a balanced quality of life and happiness and mm-hmm. and all that. Do you travel much? I do. And do you find that that gives you a perspective on things or? uh... You know, it's interesting. Um, So the perspective is I spend a lot of time in New York City. It's a very expensive city. Um, I spend time here, a little bit less expensive, but catching up in the rental market. Um, And I'm... I do spend some time in Houston, Texas um, because my husband's job is based there. Um, So... You know, it's interesting to see the different walks of life. But I guess the other thing is, is you can, I see that you can also choose, you can choose how you're going to exist in those situations. Like you could very easily in any of those cities be like, I'm going to be consumed with fashion or whatever it is. Um, And then you can spend a boatload of money. Um, I'm not that way. Um, I feel like my husband should appreciate me a little bit more. He should. He should, because I'm not, I'm not like, you know, my girlfriends are like, oh my gosh, does he realize how lucky he is? I'm like, I don't think so. You should tell him. Um, and they're like, okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I've never been one, like, as far as I can remember, like, I don't care what people are wearing. I don't have to wear that. Um, I, I really don't care. You know, I kind of like my own style and I don't need the labels and the logos. I think they're logos. Like even the high-end luxury brands, to me, it's the same as, you know, wearing the gap across your shirt. You know, it's the right. same thing. It's a logo, whether it's Chanel or Gucci or right. whatever. And not bashing anyone who loves it, they do have some beautiful style and design and whatever. I've just never been a person, person. who cared you know, how, I, you mentioned your husband. Mm-hmm. How often do you and your husband sit down and talk about money? Uh, well, we recently talked about it, which makes me very happy. Um, you know, someone was saying to us, uh, number one cause of divorce is arguments over money. Yeah. Um, so it's it's something that um, we're talking about more. And I think for him, he has such a stressful day and you know that's what they talk about all day every day so the last thing he wants to do is come home and talk about that um but i feel like the communication is so important Mm -hmm. um 
I have been, um, I am guilty of not being as involved. Like at a certain point, I'm just like, okay, you don't want to talk about it, fine. That's fine. I'm going to also go on with my day because I'm busy doing my own thing. Um, But then I'm finding out, I'm like, well, then I'm not really, you're a little bit in the dark as to what the exact financial situation and status that you're in, which I don't recommend. I don't think that's wise. Um, I think it's really important for both partners or everyone just to know what your financial status is. Um, I just think it's really important. So, do you um, have a joint bank account, and who writes, who pays the bills? Um, well, pretty much everything's on auto pay. Okay. So we do have joint bank accounts, and we have separate bank accounts as well. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, who came into the marriage with more debt? Oh. <laughs> That's a great question. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. So he's going to say definitely me. Um, But I think that can be contested because at the time, back then, I was working like three jobs Uh at least. Um, And he was doing a startup. Okay. So – and his startup was such a great idea and he was ahead of the curve and also such bad timing if he had Uh launched six months before – People were getting funded on just the idea and the concept. He's, he didn't know. It was literally like he launched. He quit his job and launched a month before the tech boom. Bust. Oh, bust. The right. tech bubble burst. Right. Is that the term? Yes. Yeah. So it was really poor timing. Oh. Um, and it turned out like 12 years later, I think then Microsoft came out with an inferior version of the of software concept. that they uh, were – yeah, that they oh, were – isn't that a bummer? Yeah. Um, and at the time, like, it was so um, forward-thinking that a lot of people didn't really understand right. what they were talking about. I think it had something to do with, like, you know how everything's on a cloud? Yeah. Don't quote me because it's – I'm quoting you. I, I don't know about this com- this yeah. computery stuff. Yeah. Exactly. You didn't know computery could be an adjective. I know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was uh, – it was something really, you know, before the curve where most people didn't understand what he was talking about. Um, one person did at Microsoft and was like, I'm going to green light your project. Um, but like in the next wave of projects. And then that person got laid off. So then thus all his, it's like uh, how the studio system goes. Like yeah. if your TV show is with a certain, you know. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. So, yeah, his startup didn't make it. So he went back to Wall Street. Um, but he always lived by, um, he was taught you never have credit card debt. Right. So his parents paid for their house cash. They saved up yeah. until they paid for it in cash. Um so he got really scared when he accrued even a bit of credit card debt. So that's yeah. when he went back to banking. Um, and I would say it was probably the same amount. I think it was the same amount, but he would argue that. He but would I, argue differently. Yeah, I, I it's had a that different t- kind of debt. It's a different kind of debt. Doesn't well, count. I had a I had a web business at the time. Okay. Um, I do you remember those sparkly rhinestone cell phones yeah. before there were covers for phones? Yeah. So. I saw it on an episode of Sex in the City. I found I was Googling it. They existed in Japan. So I ended up coming up with a kit. Um, it was called My company was called Bling Ring, and it was, my website was myblingring.com. It's no longer up. But I sold kits of Swar- uh, Swarovski crystals 
and the glue and whatever so you could make your own design on your kit. And that business kind of boomed. I should have sold it in the first right. year, um, but I didn't because I was like, this is my baby. I created yeah. this. I got a $10 million valuation from these sales reps. And Target actually did approach me. I wow. rolled out a, um, a lower end line, and a, a sales rep from Target approached me, and they were like, hey, we're interested in carrying your product. You, do you have this system in place You know where you'd place the orders? And I was too honest and earnest. I'm like, no, but I but could. No, but I'd be happy to install it. And he was, you know, they target did not have time to wait for my learning curve. Yeah. So they moved on to a different vendor. I mean, it was easy to knock off. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, But uh, I had debt from that business. Wow. Well, so I I see that we're getting close to the hour. Um, Let me ask you this: What would you tell a um, young person whose mom and dad want them to be a lawyer or a doctor, and they want to be an actor, writer, creative source? What would you tell somebody that's getting ready to? jump out in the world, and potentially follow their bliss? <laughs> um, I have many thoughts about that. Um, you know, I think you should always follow your bliss. Mm-hmm. I had a college professor tell me, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. Yeah, I agree. So I think, I think you can't spend your time doing things that make you miserable. Yeah, you know? life's, life's too short. Too short. Life is too short. And I don't think you're going to succeed and have an amazing, great career if you hate what you're doing, right? I agree. I'd yeah. rather have fun and have a little less in the bank yeah, um, than be miserable and – Hate life. And hate life. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So – well, let me ask you this. It's been great having you here. Where can people find you? On social media. Yes. I'm pretty new to the Instagram. Um, it's at the Angela O. O is spelled O-H. Like the word oh. 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 <laughs> oh. Oh. And you have um, – and um, the podcasts, are those up? Can people find uh, Writing the Waves yet? Or So I have not officially launched yet. Okay. So look for it. Look for it soon. It's coming soon. Follow my Instagram and then I will announce when you can find the episodes. All right. Well, Miss Angela O, we're going to check that out. Um, Please check her out. Don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. For more stories, podcast episodes, financial tools, and upcoming seminars, be sure to visit themoneynerve.com. And if you're in the Los Angeles or San Diego Diego areas. San Diego. San Diego. Please check out the world-famous Comedy Store. Um, We've got great comedy every night, 365 days a year. Until next time, I'm Bob Wheeler. Woo-hoo! (laughs) Woo!